If you'd go please to 3rd John in the scriptures, 3rd epistle of John. We've been on a series for uh, some weeks now. I think that we're, we're nearing the completion of this. We'll see. But we've been talking about that God's will is success. And we've been looking at more than one side of this. We want to continue in that today. In 3 John, the second verse, 3 John 2, he said, Beloved, I wish, other translations say, I desire, above all things, that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That you may prosper and be in health. Is that the will of God? You know, if our Father is not pleased with us prospering materially and being healthy physically as our soul is prospering, then He's out of harmony with every other parent, every other good parent. Because what father, what mother wants to see their child sick or broke? None. So God, the Father God, would be out of agreement with every good parent if he takes pleasure in us experiencing poverty. If he takes pleasure in us being sick and hurting. And if he's the one that put us in a state of poverty, we'd be wrong to try to get out of it. Right? Right? People say things that they believe, but then they don't act consistently with it out of church. If you say that God put this disease on you to teach you something and develop you, why would you dare go to the doctor? That's rebellion. You're trying to get out of something that God put on you. But the truth is, the doctor's fighting the same enemy we're fighting. It's the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. God's not the thief. Jesus isn't the thief. Could it be that it does please the Father when you do well spiritually, when you do well physically, when you do well materially, that it pleases Him? Could it be? A lot of folks confused about it, but we shouldn't be. Go to uh, the book of Psalms, Psalm 35 and 27. Psalm 35, 27 says, Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually. So what are we shouting about? What are we glad about? Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure. In the prosperity of his servant. (laughs) Is it true? Well, does God take pleasure in our poverty or our prosperity? Does he take pleasure in us having plenty, being blessed and enjoying good things? Or does he take pleasure when we don't have enough? Sadly, sadly, there are people who will die on this planet today for lack of a good meal. Now that's lack. That's severe lack. If a lot of lack is bad, a little bit of lack is bad. It's the same evil stuff. A little bit of lack is an inconvenience. Too much lack will kill you. It's either right, it's either okay or it's not okay. It's either the will of God or it's not the will of God. If it's the will of God, like we said, submit to it. Quit trying to get out of it. And if God made somebody poor, you shouldn't give to them either. You're trying to help them out. You try to get them out of the will of God. Both can't be right. It's either the will of God or it's not the will. If it's not the will of God, let's help them get out. Right? 
If God made them sick, you shouldn't go to the doctor. Shouldn't try to get better. But if it wasn't God that made them sick, then yeah, let's do everything in our power, spiritually and naturally, to get out of this. The Bible said, resist the devil. Right? Well, you need to know what is the devil (laughs) and what is God. Two of the most important things you could ever learn in this life is what to resist and what to yield to. Because, man, if you yield to the wrong thing, it's going to destroy you. If you resist the wrong, you know, you got people resisting God and yielding to the enemy. We want to get it right. Let's resist the enemy and yield to the Lord. How many would agree God's not your problem? Huh? <laughs> and you got people try to tell us, you know, yeah, but you know, God and the enemy is working together for some mysterious reasons. If they are, we're done. I mean, why, why even get up in the morning? <laughs> how, do, how do you deal with that? No. God's a good God. He does good things. His mercy endures forever. There is a devil. He's evil. He's cruel. He steals, kills, and destroys. Yield to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You can have some victory in this life. Hallelujah. Jesus came and took our place. He took our sin and bare it, not so we could be in sin. He took our sicknesses, did he or not? He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. Why? Not so we could take sickness and bear it. He even became poor. Anybody remember reading that? Became poor that we might be rich. Rich is a relative term. It has to do not with a number, but with a full supply. Do you believe you got a good father? Not just a good father. You got the best father that there's ever been. You got the richest father that there's ever been. Is that right? Why wouldn't he take care of his baby boy? Or his baby girl? Come on, why why wouldn't he? He wants to. But many believe lies and have been taught wrong things and are given place to wrong things. But the truth. Oh, come on, somebody help me out. The truth will do what? It'll make you free. Go on over to Psalm uh, 112. Psalm 112. Now we're getting into something now that deals with the other side of this. There's more than one side of things. Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, uh, he said great truth is like climbing up a mountain. He said you climb up one side, you got one view. You climb up another side, you got another same mountain, but a different view. And uh, it's true. You you talk about a great truth of the word. It depends on which way you're facing. <laughs> You'll see part of this, but that doesn't mean you've seen the whole thing, right? You you come up that truth another from another approach, and it's a different view, and it, it's completely in agreement with the other view. It's just something you hadn't seen before. Now. Uh, in Psalm 112, well, let me, let me say this, then we'll read it. There are a few people who believe like we do, that God's will is that you have abundance. When I say a few, I mean relatively few across the world. We are in the minority. And then you got a lot more church-going people. They believe God's will is sacrifice. Sacrifice. So who's right? Abundance or sacrifice? And the answer is yes. <laughs> yes to both. Can you have both? Can you do both? Can you? Sit out loud. Abundance and sacrifice. Which one's the will of God? Both. Both. But you'll find that most groups only talk about one side. 
They'll either talk about sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Not that they do it, but they talk about it. (laughs) Or people talk about abundance, 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 abundance. Which one's right? Well, in Psalm 112, are you there? Verse 1, he said, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. Is that you? Is that you? Do you delight in the Lord? Do you show him reverence and respect? You want to do what he tells you to do? The Bible says you're blessed. Verse 2, his seed shall be mighty upon the earth. That's about your, your kids and your grandkids. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Keep going. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Say what? Is this the will of God? Did you notice he had a house? He had a house. (laughs) Does this sound like abundance? Does the blessing of the Lord make rich? And he adds no sorrow to it. Does the blessing of the Lord include material and financial provision? You know you need some. You had to have some to get to church this morning. You had to have some material and financial ability to have a place to eat and sleep and something to wear and a way to go. You had to have some. Well, is it God's will that you have only barely enough, not enough? Or is it his will that you have more than enough that you could actually minister beyond yourself and do things for others as well? Well, that's going to be too much for you. Enough for you is not enough for anybody else. In order to do much for others, you're going to have to have too much for you. Oh, somebody liked it, somebody scratching about it. Said out loud, wealth, wealth and, riches and riches will be in my house. In my house. Now you, uh, I mean, you liked that first verse, didn't you? Right? You fear the Lord and delight in his commandments, you're blessed. Well, this is just as true. Verse 3 is just as true. Go ahead, say it again. Knock some, uh, knock some religious tradition off of you. Said out loud, wealth and riches, wealth and riches will be in my house. And his righteousness endures forever. Keep going. Keep going. To the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is greedy. (laughs) He's got that big house and it's full of nice stuff. It's a greedy rascal. No. He's gracious. Being poor doesn't make you godly. Being rich does it make you ungodly? I need to go over that again slowly, I guess. Is everybody that's poor godly people? No. Well, is everybody that's rich ungodly people? No. No. To the upright there arises light in darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Keep reading. A good man shows favor and lends or gives. He guides his affairs with discretion. Surely he'll not be moved forever. The righteous shall be had in everlasting remembrance. He'll not be afraid of evil tidings or bad news. His heart is fixed, trusting, not in his money. Can you have a bunch of money but not put your faith in it? Can you? Yeah, you can. Trusting in the Lord. Keep going, verse 8. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid till he see his desires upon his enemies. Keep going. He's done what? Dispersed. He's given to the poor. Now we're answering the question can you do both? The man's got a house, it's full of wealth and riches, and he's gracious. And he's a giver. Come on, can you see this? And he's blessing people. Can you do both? 
His righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. Somebody say glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This is the thing that people have stumbled over. Sacrifice or abundance. Well, I know sacrifice is right and there's scriptures for it. Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that you're never supposed to have anything. In fact, the more you can have, the more you can do. Depends on what you want to do with it. But you're not the source. You can give everything that you've got and it's not going to meet all the needs of the world. So are you supposed to? Are you supposed to be impoverished? Does that please God for you to be impoverished? No, the truth is we all have the same source. Everybody, everywhere should look not to men, but look to God. And if somebody's believing God, he may deal with you to sow something to them. If they're not trusting him, even though they are in dire need, he may not deal with you to do a thing. There are people who are in out and out rebellion against God and defiance against him. And, and if people would leave him alone, he'd let them get hungry. Until they repented. People don't like that. But is God the source for everybody or not? Don't let anybody make you their source. Don't let anybody try to put guilt or shame on you. If you have more than they do. Or try to make you feel like you owe them something. Because you have more than they do. That's not true. That's not right. That's the enemy. This man obviously didn't give away everything. He had a house with wealth and riches. Is that right? And yet, he's a big giver. Can you do both? Can you have abundance and be a big giver and willing to sacrifice? Yeah. Yes, you can. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the New Testament, you'll see this. In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. 2 Corinthians 9, about verse 6, familiar verses, but I want you to see this same principle in here. He's talking about giving. He says, he that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. You know the Lord's left it up to us. Do you know it's not up to him how much you reap? I said, did you know it's not up to the Lord? How much we reap. He's left it up to us. Verse 7. Every man. According as he purposes in his heart. That's not God. You know forcing you to do anything. So let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves. A cheerful giver. People try to tell us God don't care about these things. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said not only does he care about it. He loves it. God loves. Cheerful givers. Come on, say it out loud. God loves cheerful givers. Now, that's not just during offering time at church. That's just being a giver. Every day, everywhere you are, at work, at home, you're a giver child of a giver God. Greatest giver there's ever been. It's your nature. You enjoy giving. Love to give. Live to give. Happy to give. Freely you've received. Freely you give. It's easy come. Easy flow. You might know what I'm talking about. Why? Fear would say, I can't do it. I might not have enough. Faith says, oh, I'll have plenty. I'll have plenty. God takes care of me. Here, take it. Now, here, take some extra. What are you going to do? I'll have more. I'm sowing. I'll have more than I got now. It's coming. It takes faith to live like this. But it also takes love. Everybody say love. Because that's your motive. Why you do a thing is so important to God. Because he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. Second Corinthians 9. Keep reading. It said verse 8. And God is what? 
Able, easy. God is able. A lot of folks like to holler about that. It's true, but able to do what? To make all grace abound towards you. And he's talking about grace in a specific area. That you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may what? Abound to every good work. Why do you need way, way more than enough to run you? So you can abound to this good work and this good work. So you can buy food trucks. Is that right? And fill them full of food. People that are out there doing a good job helping clean up these storm ravaged places. We're not there, but we can help. We can be a part. Not if you don't have anything. You don't have much, can't do much. Sometimes people brag about how little they get by on. (laughs) But a small budget usually means small results. Usually means you're not doing much. I've noticed the more we do, the bigger the bills get. Oh, come on. Did I lose somebody or not? The, The more we do, the bigger the bills get. Well, what's the Great Commission? Go into all the world and save money. (laughs) No, we shouldn't care how much money we spend if people are getting helped. It's not about saving the money. It's about saving the people. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to what? Man, this, this is being involved in multiple things, isn't it? Multiple things. Why? Because you got it. Your bills are paid. You're doing good. Your kids are good. Your grandkids are good. You're eating good. You're living good. You got wealth and riches in your house. But you don't just care about you. You're giving. Keep reading. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. that sound familiar? That's from Psalm 112 we just read. He's given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now in this passage in the New Testament, just like in Psalm 112, can you see which one? Abundance or sacrifice? Which one? Which one? Both. Both. Can you have both? Yes. Yes. Does God expect you to impoverish yourself and have nothing because all he cares about is sacrifice? No. Well, we know. Are you supposed to just lavish everything on yourself and not care about anybody else and not do anything? We know that's not right either. Can you have both? Can you do both? Have plenty and be a big giver. Come on, somebody say, that's me, that's me. (laughs) Have abundance. And sacrifice too. Willing to sacrifice. Now uh, look with me in Galatians. Let's begin in the first chapter. Galatians 1 and verse 4. It says Jesus gave himself for our sins. That he might deliver us from this present evil world. What did he do? The greatest expression of love is giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. And here it says Jesus gave himself. Is that sacrifice? That is. Is that love? Go to the second chapter of Galatians. Galatians 2.20. 2.20. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The Son of God who what? Loved me and did what? Gave himself for me. Come on, say that loud. He loved me and gave himself for me. Did he do it? Is the Lord broke today? <laughs> Is he broke? 
No. He's at the right hand of majesty on high. Did he sacrifice greatly for you and me? Yes. Yes. Notice in Galatians, the, uh, I believe it's the sixth chapter, verse 1. Galatians 6, 1. He said, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one. In the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is what? Taking a burden off of somebody else. How? By you taking care of it. Isn't that what Jesus did? He took the burden of our sin and the judgment for it off of us. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. The chastisement of our peace was on him. He bore the burden of that. It's not on him today. You'll see people sometimes, you know, they, they talk about weeping at the cross. Like Jesus is still there. He's not there. Jesus is not in the tomb. He's not on the cross. Is that right? He's risen. He's alive. He's at the right hand of majesty on high. Soon to come again. We want to be thankful every day of our lives for what he did at the cross. But that is accomplished. It's done. And so we're told to follow his example. And in life, as we have opportunity, do good to all men. This is later in the passage you read this, especially to those who are the household of faith. And, and how do you bear one another's burdens? There will be times and situations, whether it's a family member, a friend, co-worker, or a stranger. That you're aware of something that's a burden to them. Something that's putting pressure on them. And the Lord has put it within your power to do something about it. Hallelujah. Financial pressure can be a real burden. I have seen people's face just lighten up when they find out that's all going to be paid for tomorrow. It's all going to be taken care of. Bear you one another's burdens, he said. Keep reading. If a man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let every man prove his own work and he'll have rejoicing in himself alone, not another. Let every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate, that means share to him that teaches in all good things. Now he's talking about giving here. Keep going. He's been talking about giving. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He talks about sowing to the spirit, sowing to the flesh. Amen. Verse 9, skip down for time's sake. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we what? Yeah. We shall. Did you notice he started talking about bearing one another's burdens? That's the context of this passage. And about the law of Christ. This is doing things for other people that relieves them. It can be as simple. If somebody's hungry and you buy them a meal, that relieved them. If they're behind on their electric bill and, and you help them get caught up, get their lights turned back on, well, that's a relief. Right? But a whole lot of things that money can't fix, but uh, other ways that you can help take a burden, take a load, take a pressure off of somebody. And if you do that, you are acting like the Christ. You're acting like the Messiah. That's what he did. He came and took the burden off of us. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He took it off of us. He took it off of us. Go with me to the 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Anybody remember 1 Corinthians 13? Anybody got any verses marked over there? 
1 Corinthians 13, now I'm going to say some things that you might not have heard me say exactly this way before, so don't sleep. Check your neighbors, see if they got their lights on and, and their home. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 1. The Spirit of God is speaking through Paul to the saints at the church of Corinth. It was a real church, just like the church at Branson, church at uh, Sarasota, anywhere else. And the, the Holy Spirit had this kept and recorded for all generations. He meant to be speaking to us today in 2018 through this. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Now that's the King James translation of the word for love have not love, I'm becoming a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Is there such a thing as empty, vain speaking in tongues? Yes, there is. Now, when you speak in tongues, that is not just the Holy Spirit speaking. If you read the rest of this passage in chapter 14, 12, 13, 14, you'll see. He said, if I pray in the Spirit, my Spirit is praying. Is your Spirit the Holy Spirit? No. Are you the Holy Spirit? Just say it like that. Help your neighbor. Say, you're not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) You're not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Brother Hagin, who's in heaven now, he'd tell Phyllis that once in a while. We'd be riding together in the, in, in the car together with he and Mom, Mom Hagen. I'd be driving. Phyllis would lean up sometimes from the back seat and whisper in my ear. She'd say, this is the Holy Spirit. Sing this song tonight. <laughs> Brother Hagen would cackle laughing. And then in the service, he'd come and say, and you're not the Holy Spirit, Phyllis. You're not. <laughs> it was kind of a running joke. Well, he'd say, you know, he loved you. Yeah, he did. He said, your wife's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, your mother's not the Holy Spirit. Your boss is not the Holy Come on, are y'all listening? <laughs> I just realized that's a revelation for some people right here. <laughs> no, your wife is not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> How did we get into that? <laughs> is there unprofitable, empty speaking in tongues. If the motive is not right, if the heart motive isn't love, it's no more benefit than beating on a pot and a pan that somebody is speaking in tongues. Is that true or not? Keep reading. Though I have prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. We're told in Galatians, what is it, 5, 6, that faith works by, or other translations say, through love. Faith works by and through love. If the heart motive isn't love, it renders the tongues empty and useless. It renders your faith talk and your prophecy empty and useless. If this is true, this is something we ought to pay attention to because I don't want to do something that's empty and useless. And here, verse 3, he says something else about our giving. Though I bestow all my goods... To feed the poor. Though I give my body to be burned. And have not love. It profits me how much? How much? Is there such a thing. As profitless giving. Giving with zero reward. Giving with no return. Is there? Is there? 
Let me read to you some other translations. The Amplified says, verse 3, if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? See, people have tried to make these things the all in all. But he's saying you can impoverish yourself till you have nothing giving to feed people and it not profits you one thing. If that's true, we need to understand this. And why is that way? You can give for all kinds of reasons. You can give only for the tax benefit. And if that's the main reason you're giving, you won't get a reward. There won't be a multiplication of your seed. You can give because of public relations. You want everybody to know that your company or you gave for this and you want to make sure you get it on the news as much as you can and tell everybody so they'll see how big hearted you are, which you're not really. It was just good advertising. How much reward will you get for that? None. That is, a, that is giving without a return, giving without a reward. It's quiet in here, isn't it? There are people who give because they think it'll help them get to heaven. There are people who give because they got a guilty conscience about a lot of the things that they've done and they figure I can make up for it. You know, I, I, I was a bad guy and I stole this money, but you know, if I'll help the poor with some of it, it'll kind of even things out, make it all right. Now, <laughs> uh-uh, it's not how it works. And I know I've been bad, but if I'll really do some big things in helping the poor, I can get to heaven anyway. Your giving has nothing to do with you making heaven. Nobody ever gave their way to heaven. It's only by faith in Jesus. Receiving him as your Lord and Savior. That's it. You can't give to the poor so that you can make heaven miss hell. People give for all kinds of reasons. There are people that give and they want everybody to know to show how spiritual I am. Show how much faith I have. I got big faith. See how much I gave? That is giving with no return. How many remember Jesus said, when you give, don't sound a trumpet. Especially giving to the poor. There's different kinds of giving. But he said, uh, the people that give and want to show off and tell everybody, and that's, that's their motive, he said they have their reward. What does that mean? People seeing them and noticing them for that two minutes, that's all they're getting out of their $10,000. Or their $100. Whatever it was. Does our heart motive make big difference in what happens after we give. Let me read some more in this. He said, if I amplified, if I surrender my body to be burned in order that I may glory. Why? See, sacrifice to take a load off of somebody is Christ-like. It's wonderful. Sacrifice to show how spiritual I am is ignorant and good for nothing. Profits zero. You see people, they're going to cut themselves off from the world and starve themselves and do this. Why? Who is benefiting from what you're doing? If nobody's benefiting, you're enduring hardship for nothing. Amen. Nothing. You're trying to show off. Trying to play big shot. Trying to impress somebody. Better hope they were impressed. Because that's your total reward. <laughs> Their level of impression. Which is not going to last till tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> is all. The reward you will ever get. There will be no return. On that seed you sow. Yes. Hold your place here with me. 
And go over to the book of Luke, please. We're not done with this. I told you wrong, it's Mark. This is in the book of Luke, but Mark's the one we're going to go to. Mark 10, and I'm going to say something that might rock your boat a little bit, but hold on to the side, don't fall out, you'll be okay. The Lord impressed me when we started this series on God's will of success. He said, I want you to deal with two sides of this. I want you to deal with, it's my will for you to have abundance and plenty. But then, after that, I want you to deal with the other side of it. I want you to deal with covetousness and things that disqualify you from handling God's abundance. So we're on the other side now. In uh, Mark 10 and verse 28, Peter began to say to him, Jesus, Lo, we have left all and followed you. Is he talking about sacrifice? Yes, he is. Great sacrifice. We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus answered and said to him, Verily I say to you, there's no man that has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses. You see why we got houses on our confession list? In the, in the front, we're getting our houses. That's not just a random saying. We got scripture, the words of Jesus. Well, three people liked it. Houses, <laughs> brothers, sisters, mothers, children. How many know? That if your mom and dad don't like you since you decided to follow the Lord, that don't mean you won't have mamas and daddies. If your friends decide they don't like you anymore, God will give you better friends. If you lost anybody because you decided to follow Jesus all the way, you're not going to be alone. You're going to have mamas, sisters, brothers. How about some houses? Houses. 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 That's more than one house. Lands. That's more than an acre. Lands. Hundredfold. Now in this time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands. With. Not everybody's going to like it. (laughs) But the Lord told you there's going to be some people that didn't like it. We wish they'd join us and be happy, but you can't control folks. And in the world to come. Eternal life. Now this is the main passage that talks about hundredfold relative to your giving. But there's been some errors that people have demonstrated in their interpretation of this. I've heard people say, you know, you're giving this offering. I I guarantee you, I promise you, a hundredfold harvest in the next 30 days. Based on what? Someone said, well, the Bible. Well, you might want to read that. You, you won't hear me say that. Unless the Lord said something specifically for that just one situation. I'll say what he says. But as a usual thing, I can't say that. Why? Because it's possible to give and get no return. It's possible to give everything you've got and get zero return. Quoting scriptures. Let, let me. I asked you to hold your place. Maybe you did. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13 again. The Living Bible says. If I give everything to poor people. And I'm burned alive. For preaching the gospel. And didn't love others. It'd be of no value. Whatever. One translation said. I would gain nothing. Another translation says, none of these things would help me. 
Another one said, it does me no good. What do you mean? Let your body be burned for preaching the gospel? That's a martyr. Surely you'd get great reward for that. No, it depends on why you did it. If you went over there knowing it was dangerous, trying to show how spiritual you are, and you're just going to be a martyr, you could wind up dying for nothing. Dying young, dying wrong. The question is, who did it help? Your sacrifice. Who did it help? Because if you did it out of love, and you did it in faith at the direction of the Lord, it's going to help somebody. Come on, can you see this or not, friend? It's going to help somebody. It's going to help somebody. But you can give every dime you've got. You can offer up yourself a martyr and a sacrifice. And if you're doing it with the wrong heart and the wrong motive, it's useless. Absolutely no benefit, no profit to you. No return. Well, we need to get these things right, don't we? Yes, sir. There's only one acceptable motive for sacrifice. Why? You care about them. You want to help them. Is that right? You care about preaching this gospel around the world. You care about people. You care about them receiving. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go go back to, to Mark. Notice the context of the hundredfold. Somebody said, you don't believe in hundredfold, brother? If you've been around any time at all, you know I do. We've seen it. We've experienced it repeatedly. Does everybody always reap a hundredfold? No. A lot of people reap nothing. But it's not God's fault. It ain't about the check you wrote. It ain't about the cash in your hand. It's about the love in your heart. The love in your heart and the faith in your heart. Why are you doing it? Now you may fool other people, but you cannot fool God. Right? The Bible talks about the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of, of spirit and soul joint and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God not only knows what you're doing and saying, He knows what you meant to say. He knows the next prompting in your heart and mind for your thought. He knows the intent. Everybody say motive, motive. Heart, motive. And with him, the only acceptable reason, the only acceptable heart motive is love. Love. Notice in Mark 10 what's going on. Peter said, we've left everything, verse 28, and followed you. Jesus said, there's no man that has left. Actually, Mark Matthew's account says, has forsaken house, brother, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Who's going to receive a hundredfold now in this time? People who sacrificed, were willing to sacrifice because of their love for God, for his sake, for the gospel's sake, for the people's sake that would be helped. Come on, can you see that? Not just somebody that said, I'm claiming a hundredfold so I can have something. Heart motive. Heart motive. Selah. (laughs) Well, we don't need to handle the word loosely. We don't need to pull a phrase out here and there and ignore the half chapter that it came out of. So many wrong doctrines would have been avoided or corrected if you had just read the three verses that came before it and the three verses that came after it. Keep it in context. That's rightly dividing the Word of God. 
which is also why everybody at Faith Life Church reads their whole chapter, right? Every day, Monday through Friday, you do that over a period of time, you've read the chapters that came before it, and you read the chapters that came after it. And you get not just some idea of a half thought, of a half verse, you get the context, you get the spirit of it. Thank you, Lord. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Does God want you to be blessed? Yes, he does. Does he want you to be willing to sacrifice? Yes, he does. Even in a big way. Man, I don't know at the times, Phyllis and I, both ourselves personally and the ministry, that one day we had a bunch and we had plenty and extra, and before the week was over, the accounts were down to $100. Because the Lord dealt with us. Sow it. Sow it. Do it. Well, it's a big sacrifice. Why did you do it? See, if your motive is not love, you won't do things that nobody knows about. (laughs) That nobody even knows about. You won't do it. But that's why you will do things. And not only don't care if anybody knows, you don't want anybody to know some things. It's not why you did it. And when you do, and your heart is love, your faith works through and by that love. And because you did it, you got the words of the head of the church. He said, you're going to reap a hundredfold now in this time and in the world to come. You talk about a return on your giving. Big return now and later. Glory to God. But it wasn't just because you threw something in the plate and claimed a hundredfold. No. We must be led by the Spirit. That's the only way to get things right. Every day and every night of our lives, lead coming in, lead going out. Is that right? Here's a need over here. Do I do something about it or do I not? First of all, you're not the source. You can't do everything. Don't be led by a sob story. Don't be led by somebody pulling on you. Don't be led by needs. Don't be led by opportunities. Be led by the Holy Spirit. But when He leads you, their compassion will come up in you. Come on, can you see this? And there's a desire to take a burden off of somebody, to help somebody. And when you do it, even if they don't appreciate it, it makes you happy. Is that right? Because you did what the Lord told you to do. That's the kind of giving there is big return coming back on. That's the kind of giving there is multiplied harvest coming into your life. Can you say amen or I'll think about it or Praise be to God. 2 Corinthians 12, and I think I'll close with this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 2 Corinthians 12. The Lord looks at the heart. Always looking at the heart. And the heart of the giver determines whether the gift is acceptable or unacceptable. In 2 Corinthians 12, you hear the Spirit of God and you hear the heart of God through Paul himself. His Spirit is in us. So when we yield to His Spirit, we take on His attributes of love. That's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you heard me, you heard the Father. Why? This is supposed to be happening on a regular basis with us. That the the Spirit of God prompts us to do something. And we go say something to somebody. We give something. We do something for somebody. And they, whether they realize it or not, they're hearing the Father. They're hearing Him talking to them. They're receiving from Him something that He means to encourage them with. And bless them with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be open to that. Don't think the Lord can't use you. You don't have to be a preacher. Come on, somebody say, he uses me. He uses me. There'll be times and places he'll just put a word in you. And maybe something in your hand at the same time. And he'll deal with you. Give them this and tell them I love them. 
Tell them I know what's going on with them and I'm with them. I'll never leave them. I'll never forsake them. Tell them that this is the beginning and the rest is coming. He'll tell you things like that. And if you'll say it with love and faith in your heart, it'll come through your eyes. It'll come through your face. And they're not just seeing you. They're seeing him. They're not just hearing you. They're hearing him. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody say, here am I, Lord. Lord. Use me. me. Send me. me. Speak through me. me. Bless through me. me. Relieve burdens through me. me. I'll do it gladly. 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 And the more you do it, the more faithful you are, the bigger it'll get. He'll trust you to handle bigger and bigger things. (laughs) Second Corinthians, are you there? 12, 14. 12, 14. Spirit of God through Paul said, this is the third time I'm, I'm ready to come to you. I'll not be burdensome to you. This is another side of love. Love doesn't want you to be inconvenienced because of me. It's willing to be inconvenienced so you can be benefited. Can you see that? Selfishness don't care how much it costs you as long as I get what I want. That's ungodly. He said, uh, I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Keep going. And I will what? Very gladly. What kind of giver does God love? And can you see that in Paul? Do you believe his heart is right? Do you believe what he's doing, his motive is right? He said, I will very gladly spend and be spent. Is he talking about sacrifice? He's talking about, he's willing to make some big sacrifices. Even though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Well, it sure wasn't about what he's getting out of it. Can you see that? This is being Christ-like. This is the law of the anointed one. Bearing others' burdens. Helping them, relieving them. And being glad to do it. Being willing to to sacrifice. And when you sacrifice like that, it enables the gospel to be preached, people to be helped. That's when Jesus said, you're going to reap a hundredfold now, in this time, and in the world to come. Eternal life. Somebody say, I believe it. Stand on your feet, everybody. Praise be to God. Thanks be to the Father. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and begin to praise the Lord for his goodness and graciousness. We've all made mistakes with our actions and our motives, but uh, we can't change the past, but we can sure do something about today and tomorrow. So just lift up your hearts, lift up your hands, lift up your voice to the Lord. Say, Father God, I love you. I believe in you. I I trust in your will and in your ways. You are love. And that love is in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Forgive me for any wrong motives, any wrong thinking, any foolish action. Any useless giving or useless sacrifices, but I commit myself to only acting because of love and in faith, from love, by faith, that's how I will live with your help. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.